So, you fall in love. And I know last Thursday, Valentine's Day, you know, all of you married couples and dating couples really had a nice Valentine's Thursday. And, you know, sometimes you have to celebrate Valentine's Day on a different day. You know, like with uh, Ruth and I, we celebrated it on Wednesday because, we you know, we had house groups on Thursday, you know, so and it's hard for us to go out at night with the kids and all that. So we went out for a nice afternoon and had lunch and, and hung out, which was really great. And I said, I remember telling Ruth, I think that was one of the best days of my life. Uh, we don't get to hang out a lot as a married couple on on dates. We're usually with the kids and doing all those kind of things because that's the season of life that we're in. But it was just a really nice day to spend uh, uh, with my wife. And then we get to house groups. And, and then Thursday night, I, I said, you know, happy, uh, happy Valentine's Day to all of you couples that are out there. Hope you had a great Valentine's Day. And then for all of you singles, who celebrates Hallmark holidays anyway? And uh, it can be a very, very lonely time where you're thinking, oh, you know, I wish that I had a, a significant other. I think one of the guys at our house group said it's a single awareness day, um, I think is what he called it. Uh, but nonetheless, we find ourselves in different seasons of life, whether you're single, you're married. But what happens is that, you know, you meet someone. And maybe for those of you that are married, you can remember back to when you met your spouse and you meet someone and you fall in love and you decide after you get married, you, so, you decide as a married couple that you despise sleeping through the night so much uh, that sleeping is just overrated and you just don't really care for a good night's rest. So you decide to have children. You make that decision. Then, as a man, you witness your wife bringing your child into this world and you cross over a threshold that you're never able to uncross. I think you are truly a man at that point in your life. When you see and experience your wife through labor, bring a child into the world. And your respect and love and admiration for your wife, which was already high as it, as it was at that point prior to that experience, just exceeds that immensely. You change forever as a husband or really as a wife too, because now instead of being just a husband and wife, you are now a father and a mother. And you're smitten, aren't you? That there is this little kid that looks so adorable, so precious, so good looking, just like you. (laughs) And then your world is absolutely rocked. I'm reminiscing myself. You're pulling all-nighters. You're changing diapers. You're feeding this little crying human every five minutes, it would seem. And then you decide to have another child. And then it starts all over again. And how quickly those little humans grow and change. It's funny because my children growing up in this church, I mean, I can't believe that Harrison is two already. He turned two this month. You guys remember when we announced that we were pregnant and then when we had him. Uh, I just can't believe that he's two years old, but just like every two-year-old, most two-year-olds, his favorite word of choice lately has been no. No. He's saying no and running around all over the place. And I'm like, Harrison, Harrison, do you even know what the word means that you're saying all the time? No. 
<laughs> and it's so funny how these kids change. And it's such an amazing blessing from the Lord to have children in all of their stages, though they may be more challenging at different times than others. In Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Children are a blessing from the Lord. You know, I've joked around about this at times, you know, because I thought it was pretty funny. Maybe, well, might not think that it is. But, you know, it's been said that all, all little kids are angels. You just don't know which side they're fighting for. And sometimes parenting can be very challenging. Very challenging. Those of you that are into adolescence and young adulthood with your children, you recognize that it can be a big challenge. But children have been given specific directions from God. You know, we've been studying a lot about what it means to be an adult and what it means to be a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And now as we're going into what we're entitling this message, which is wisdom in marriage and in work, we're going to see that the Lord gives specific directives to children. Children. And specifically, as it now says in Ephesians 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And that leads us to point number one this morning, which is this, obedience and honor. Obedience and honor. When a child comes into this world, He does not need to be taught to be selfish or disobedient. The reason for that is because when we all come into this world, we are born on a path of destruction. That means that we are born with a sinful nature and that unless something is changed, unless there is a course correction, we will end up in a place where we are judged for our sins. And the only way that we change our course, because you're born on that course because of your sinful nature, is that somehow you put your faith in Jesus. For the child that is raised in the Christian home, parents need to understand that children are born on a path headed to destruction. That is why we don't need to be taught how to sin. You don't need to be instructed in the ways of sin. We don't have to teach our children to sin because as human beings, we do it very well, naturally, all on our own. We didn't have to be taught to be selfish when we said mine. We didn't have to be taught to take something from somebody else that didn't belong to us and then say mine. We did it naturally. In Ephesians 2, verses 2 through 3, it says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, who we know as Satan, the spirit who now works in the, listen to this, sons of disobedience. Among whom, verse 3, Ephesians 2, we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, listen to this, children of wrath, just as the others. In Ephesians 2, it says sons of disobedience. 
Maybe you can remember telling your children to do something and they deliberately disobeyed you. They didn't do it. You didn't have to teach them to disobey you. It says in Ephesians 2 that they were naturally children of wrath, meaning that you're naturally born into the fall of mankind with a sinful nature. And if not corrected, that will lead you to the place of facing God's wrath. We are not born on the path of righteousness. It doesn't matter if you're the most amazing godly parents in the world, you will have children, and I'm sorry to say this, but they are little sinners. I know that sounds harsh, especially for those of you in our church here today today that might have newborns or one-year-olds. They're just so adorable. Well, just wait till they turn two. I'm reminded of what Solomon said regarding parents and their children. This is what he said in Proverbs 22.6. Train up your child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What's interesting about this verse is that it doesn't say that we should train them up in the way that they are already going. Yeah, you know, your children are born, they're on the right path, let's just kind of hedge them in and make sure that they're... No, it says train them up in the way that they should go because the way that they are going leads to destruction. It's vitally important to understand that every single person is born with a sinful nature. We're born on a path that without intervention leads to destruction. In Galatians 5.17 from the New Living Translation, it says this, The sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So the Bible specifically says, children, obey your parents. Do what your parents tell you to do. Children, obey your parents, and when you do so, you are doing so as unto the Lord. And for a child to disobey his parent is for a child to disobey the Lord. Now, parents, when we give our children tasks, there is immediately a spiritual battle that takes place in their hearts. Immediately. It is the battle of their will versus our will. They are in now a dilemma. They may not want to do what you tell them to do, and so they start. And you might even be able to see the gears turning in their heads as they're weighing the cost-benefit ratio of their decision-making. Yeah, well, you know, I really don't want to do that, but what is the punishment? Is the time of me doing this worth me taking whatever it is that would be a consequence? I mean, how many times did we do that growing up? You know, with a split, in a split second. You know, think about obeying our parents or doing what we wanted to do. But according to the scriptures, obedience to the Lord has nothing to do whether we agree with it or feel like it. It's what does the Bible say? Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. When a child is obedient to the Lord, he'll do so 
By being obedient to his parent. When a child is obedient to his parent, he's doing so as unto the Lord. Lord, I'm obeying you by obeying my parent. And that is the right thing to do. Often we're perplexed as, what's the right thing to do? You can let your children know this is the right thing to do. And I'll tell you, there are a few things as pleasant as a parent, I think, to see a child do what they're asked to do without complaining about it. Or having to be reminded over and over and over, or even being disobedient. I think when we as parents tell our children to do something and they do it, it's like, oh, sweet. Great. When we see some other parent tell their child to do something and they do it, you're like, right on. You go, man. Good. And it makes you feel happy. Like, did you see that? That kid just listened to his parent. It's a good thing. Children are not naturally inclined to do what's right. That's why, he's, that's why God gave them parents, to train them up in the way that they should go. It says in verse 2, Children, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, I don't know if you know how many commandments are on the Ten Commandments. That was a trick question, sort of. But typically, the way that it's broken down is in an increment, two increments, one of four and one of six, which is man's relationship to God and man's relationship to man. And the Jews, actually, you know, we see they, they break it into five and five. They actually take the commandment of honoring your father and mother, and they include that in man's relationship to God, not man's relationship to his fellow man. Interestingly enough, they believe that when a child honors their father and mother, it is actually relating to their relationship to God. And as a child living under the roof of your parents' house, when you honor and subject yourself to the leadership of your parents, your mom and your dad, and you honor them, you're doing so as unto the Lord, and it's actually showing your relationship with God. And so a child, a teenager, who honors his parents is actually honoring the Lord. Honoring the Lord. Now, the way that we carry out honoring our parents changes as we get older, as we get into adulthood. There is never a time to dishonor your family, to dishonor your mother or father. But the Lord says, honor your father and mother. And when you don't, when you're not honoring your mom and your dad, the opposite applies that that child is actually dishonoring the Lord. This is what it's all about. Our children's relationship with God, and we're the very ones that are to help them grow in their relationship with God. And so the Bible says, children, listen to your parents. Do what they tell you to do because it is right. Do it unto the Lord. Honor your father and your mother. Show them respect. By honoring them. You do so as unto the Lord, as it says in verse 3 now of Ephesians 6, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And all the parents of teenagers say, Amen.
you honor your father and mother, it will go well for you. And even at a young age, you know, Hudson's 10 now. And, you know, Ruth and I will be married 12 years this year. We have little, you know, our family's growing and we have kids that are getting older. You know, we... (laughs) When Hudson shows up to church with a mustache one day, you guys are going to be like, what in the world's happened? And part of what we're doing as parents is trying to instill in our children things that they will hold on to as they turn into young men, as they carry into adulthood and have their own families of their own. And I'm telling you, the the concept, the principle, the instruction of it will go well for you if you obey is a valuable lesson for children to learn. In the old days, as in way old days of Moses, if you as a child spoke rude to your parents or dishonored your parents, you would be stoned to death. That's how serious it was. I'm telling you, you probably saw the most polite kids known to man. Nowadays, you may not get stoned to death for disobeying or backtalking, but I'll tell you, if you obey your parents and honor them, it will go well for you. It'll go well for you. And you may just live long on the earth. And in verse 4, it says, now as we segue from children to parenting, it says, and you fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So our children will learn obedience to the Lord through our obedience to the Lord. It's a fact. We're to train up our children in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. And that means instruction and correction and discipline. Children. They need to obey their parents, and parents, you cannot let that slip. You cannot let it slip. Back up what you're saying with actions. We as parents need to back up what we're saying with actions because our kids will quickly learn how to manipulate the situation if we do not. They know. They are criminal masterminds. They know how to play parents against each other. They know how to work it till they get the right answer from the right parent at the right time. It was funny when Hudson was younger, he used to ask Ruth on her side of the bed if she could do, you know, if he could do something. Oh, hey, can I go on my iPad or whatever? And it'd be like at the crack of dawn and Ruth would just be like, okay, yeah, 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 or whatever. And I'm like, no, you cannot ask mom that, No. I said, because you could ask mom if you could go to China, and she would say, yes, go ahead. No, you need to ask the right parent at the right time. Because they learn how to work things the way that they want to. Same thing for me. If I'm half asleep or if I'm in in some position where I'm working or whatever, and, 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 and one of the kids... Let's say uh, one of the kids comes to you and says, hey, dad, you know, can I do this after mom already said no? Not good. Or, hey, mom, can I do this after dad already specifically said no? Not good. Not good. See, God gives his children guidelines and rules to follow. Godly parents do the same for their children. God doesn't negotiate. 
with his commandments. And we're setting our children up for a rude awakening if we allow them to disobey. If we allow our children to do whatever they want, it's wrong. Because when they come to the age of accountability before the Lord and have not been trained up with obedience and with honor to the Lord, you will see what a great disservice has been done to them. Sometimes as parents, we can come down on our kids with unrealistic expectations. We're too hard on them. Meaning that they can't achieve what we're asking them to achieve. I saw this in sports a lot growing up. Where I saw these dads just ripping their kids from the sidelines. Humiliating them. Embarrassing them. Until their kids started cursing off their parents in the middle of games. Telling them to be quiet and other things. Sometimes you'll see parents being mean to their children. Teasing them. Making fun of them. It's wrong. Don't provoke your children to anger. Sometimes parents live vicariously through their children. And they're trying to force them into a a, a box that it's not God's will for them. To try to make them be something that maybe they were not or wish that they could have achieved when they were younger. And it has no bearing on whether or not they prayed about, Lord, what's the will for my son or my daughter's life? Lord, what's your will for them? And help me to be the one that leads them in the path of following Your will. In Proverbs 20, verse 7, it says, The righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. From this verse in Proverbs, the main reason for the blessed state of the righteous man's children is due to the fact that they had a role model, someone to look up to. As parents, we must strive to be good role models for our children. That we practice what we preach. That we're showing them what we would like them to look like. That we lead by example. And children, I have to tell you, your parents are not perfect. But they've been tasked with training you to be obedient and honoring to the Lord. As a child of the Lord, I'm telling you, Whether you're young, living in your parents' home, or you're on your own, as a grown adult, as a child of the Lord, he'll make very well sure that we're not departing from the paths of righteousness. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, how many of you remember growing up hearing your parent, maybe your dad or mom say, Son, this hurts me way more than it hurts you. You're like, yeah, right. What do you mean it hurts you way more than it hurts me? Like, yeah, right, it does. You know, and we probably all had something like that to some extent. It wasn't until I had my own kids that I understood exactly what my parents were saying. But the truth of the matter is this. When we discipline our children, we're actually showing them that we love them. The Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Every son he receives. It says he scourges every son whom he receives. When we give our children boundaries 
And we live in the day and age where it's like, do whatever you want. You have all the rights. You make your own decisions. You're your own man. You're for now. That's the way we live. Here's your iPad. Go put something on. Good luck. Yep, if you want to go, uh, uh, where, where do we live? We live in Irvine, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, if you, want to, if you want to hitchhike to Newport, go ahead. Come back. You're seven now. Let's go. You want to go play around the street where I can't see you on a busy street where, you know, I mean, you have to set boundaries. Boundaries are a good thing. They are a good thing. When we give children boundaries, we're displaying our love for them as opposed to just letting them do whatever they would like to do. See, God gives his children guidelines. He gives them boundaries. He gives them rules to follow. And godly parents do the same for their children. And this brings us to the place of looking at the Lord's motivation for discipline, disciplining us as his children. Discipline is necessary. But the type of discipline that the Lord administers is done for our benefit and our profit. And might I underscore, not as a release for his own frustration. Sometimes you've had it up to here. And you discipline out of anger, out of frustration, out of stress from the day, or however you may be feeling. God does not strike his children out of anger, nor should we. God does not break our spirit and crush us, but he will break our pride and our stubbornness and rebellion against him. Because God doesn't desire to crush us or demean us. God isn't calling us names. You know, you stupid, whatever. And you start saying these things to your children. That's mortifying. God disciplines us to encourage us in our spiritual growth. And when we discipline, it should be for the same. Children are to obey and honor their parents because it's the right thing to do. And you do so unto the Lord. Parents, raise your children unto the Lord because it is the right thing to do. Nobody said that it was going to be easy, but God said it's right. This is the right thing. So, obedience and honor. Point number one. Point number two, as we conclude, is employees and employers. In verse 5, it says, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service, verse 6, as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. At the time that this letter was written, there was severe slavery in the world. The Grecian and Roman empires, in their own respective ways, had amassed, had amassed slaves from every country that they conquered. As they would just sweep through conquering and taking slaves from all different walks of life. But see, the moment the gospel was preached, which is so amazing. The moment the gospel was preached to the world through Jesus, slavery itself began to be completely undermined, unraveling. Paul instructed now bondservants on how a Christian bondservant should conduct himself. If you're a bondservant and now you're a Christian, what do you do? 
Because there needed to be a difference between the bondservant who was filled with the Holy Spirit and the bondservant that was not. If we fast forward to right now in our context, how should a Christian employee act? Somebody that's working for someone else. The Bible tells us that employees should be obedient to their bosses and show them respect as unto the Lord. You're to work as unto the Lord. It says, interesting enough, not with eye service, which speaks of doing the right thing when your boss is watching you. But not when you're left on your own. This speaks also from this verse of the foundational importance of godly character displayed by a Christian employee in the workplace. Because there are businesses all around. Jobs that people have where the employee just doesn't do what their boss asks them to do. Hey, I need you to do this. They don't do it. They try to do the least work possible. They're not able to perform simple tasks, but then they complain when they're passed over for a promotion. And the sad thing is, is that some are even professing Christians. Lazy. Not obeying their superiors, not doing what they're supposed to be doing, maybe even thinking that they're entitled to something that they're not. So he says, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Before you are an employee of that company, you are a son of the king. You're to work as unto the Lord. It says in verse 7, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. This has nothing to do with your environment. It has everything to do with your character. When you work hard, you're honoring the Lord. And even if your earthly boss does not notice your effort, your commitment, your heavenly quote-unquote boss, if you will, will reward you for all of your hard work here on this earth because you did it unto him. So as a Christian employee, be exemplary. Be exemplary. Do a good job. Be the best that you can be. Be on time. Work hard without complaining and use all of that as a platform for the gospel. I do all of these things as unto the Lord and it sets me up to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Be respectful to your boss as you would hopefully be and are unto Jesus Here we see that the Lord will reward the employee for the way that he works for his boss because he's working as unto the Lord. And I have to tell you, I've been in unpleasant jobs, difficult things, and, you know, working unto the Lord changes your perspective on everything, on everything. I don't like him. I'm not going to do a single thing he wants me to do. You're not here for him or doing things for him. You're here for the Lord and you're doing what you need to do as unto the Lord. Now, I have talked to a handful of you and your work situation is difficult. 
And we'll have to say, granted, some work environments are more difficult than others. But as you are living proof, because you've told me yourself, and as I've seen it in my own life, God definitely gives us grace during those seasons. In verse 9 now it says, And you masters, do the same thing to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So now you're a boss, and you're a Christian boss. One of the things on that list was don't show favoritism. Yeah, I like this person so they can have that. I don't like this person so they're not going to get that. Be straight across the board with all of your employees. All those that you oversee as a manager or owner. You'll be known for your integrity. I don't show partiality because God doesn't show partiality. I'm able to make righteous judgments because I'm doing so not to please men, but to please the Lord. I can make difficult decisions because I know that they're right. And if I can communicate that truth in a manner that might help that person who can no longer work for me be set up for success in his next job, then so be it. But I will be straight across the board and not show favoritism. And I'll tell you, by doing that, your employees will know exactly where they stand and your employees will respect you for it. Because nothing breeds discontentment in the workforce like seeing someone getting preferential treatment. You know how that goes. Oh, they got the time off that they asked for. Oh, they got the extra, you know, Room in their office. Now, if somebody wants to give me preferential treatment, that's a total different story. Hey, thank you. I'll receive that. Thank you. But we shouldn't, as employers, be showing partiality. Be cool with them. Let your employees know exactly where they stand without threatening. If you do this, man! Now, listen, the reality is the ball bounces that way. Hey, you can't do this, then that's on you. But you can communicate in such a way that it's on that person. This is what's expected of you. You are not able to do that. That's your decision, and the responsibility is on you. And so if you push my hand to have to make that decision because of your actions, that's still on you. Constructive criticism and positive reinforcement are huge for your employees. Even in correction. That constructive criticism. Hey, you know, we can do this differently. Hey, right here now, that's not going to work at all. Just want to be straight with you. You got a lot of potential. That's why I'm letting you know this is what is expected. This is how you can fulfill that task better next time. But whether you're an employee or an employer, we're to work as unto the Lord. We're to lead as unto the Lord. And we're to treat people in respectful ways. Because it's a reflection of our relationship with the Lord. If you're jumping down someone's throat, no. Saying these things that are quite frankly not befitting of a Christian, to have those kind of things coming out of your mouth, then that's on you. And you can change. And you can do things differently next time. So if you're an employee, you work unto the Lord. If you are a boss, then you lead as unto the Lord. Subjecting yourself to the leadership of Christ so that you can lead those in your in your business, in, in, in your group, in your network, whatever it is that the Lord's placed you in charge of to influence people, that we would do so in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word.
Thank you, Lord, for this morning as we've been able to uh, cover two important topics, Lord, today in our journey through the Bible. And Lord, I ask God that you would please bless your people. We pray for the children that are represented in this church, Lord, through this group of parents and families, Lord. We just ask God that you would have our children be raised unto you, Lord, that you would protect them, that you, Lord, would have them be obedient and honoring. Lord, I pray for any that might be having a difficult time with some children, Lord. I ask God that they would be given an extra measure of grace today. Lord, I pray that they would be able to mature in their parenting and to be able to be more like you in how they correct and discipline. And Father, I pray really, Lord, just for the family unit as a whole as it just is breaking down all over the place. We ask God, specifically for the families represented here today, for strong marriages and strong families. With you at the center. With you as the foundation. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We ask that you would bless us as we go our separate ways. And, Lord, if you should so tarry, then, Lord, as we gather together in the midweek, Lord, for house groups, would you bless it? Lord, as we gather together on Sunday, Lord, in March... Lord, would you just cause us to worship you, Lord, and to be on fire for you yearning and desiring to hear from you and to apply what we've learned to our lives and to live lifestyles of worship unto you wherever we may be at in life. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you and ask for your blessings to be upon us now. In Jesus' name, amen.